0: Similar to Paul's aim in Ephesians, his prayer for the church was that they would be rooted and grounded in the love of God. Yeah. And in his heart and his prayer for the church was that the knowledge of the love of God that it would their knowledge would surpass their experience would surpass knowledge. Yeah. So he didn't want them to just sort of stop with an academic understanding of the love of God, like a teaching or a doctrine. His heart was that they would come into experiential, tangible experience of the love of God that is over and above knowledge and doctrine and teaching. So, my heart is that we'll go on a journey and sort of progress towards a greater experience of the love of God Amen. in the heart. So, we don't just have a head knowledge and be able to talk about it and even teach about it. But actually, experimentally, we would experience that love of God in our lives. Um, so I just would like to pray for us, because I'm really nervous, because I'm not used to public speaking. <laughs> so um, I'll just pray for us. So, dear God, we just want to say again that you are worthy of all yeah. the glory. And if I say anything useful this morning, it's because of you, yeah, yeah. and it's from you and because of you. And I want to say, God, I'll just give you this next half an hour. Uh, that you will bless it and we say, come Holy Spirit, give us revelation of the love of God, uh, just a heart revelation, God, of your great love. I pray, God, that you would drop, as it were, a love bomb on us this morning, that you would press your big thumb into our lives and leave a mark uh, on our souls and our spirits and uh, recalibrate our thinking as to the love of God. Oh God, Lord, just renew our minds, transform our thinking, change our perspective. I pray for a fresh revelation for myself and for this church family here, uh, as to the love of God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want to start um, start by just saying that in uh, you don't have to worry about that because we're not going to look at any verses at the moment. in the first epistle of John, 1 John, chapter 4, verses 7 to 10, you've got a key passage there about the love of God, and I just want to bring out a couple of things from that, uh, not really to land on there, but just to sort of to kick us off. Um, in that passage in 1 John, chapter 4, it says that, that love is from God, and verse 7 it says, love is from God. So God is the source of all love. And he goes on in verse 8 to say that God is love. God is love. I just think it's amazing that John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, could almost sum up the nature of God like that. In three words. And say God is love. It's not the first time he's done it. Uh, Earlier in the uh, the book of John he said God is light and in him there's no darkness. And I just think it's amazing that you know, love really expresses God's essential nature. Love expresses the nature of God. And knowing that God is light too, and you bring those things together, what, what you've got is holy love. <laughs> you've got perfect love. Amen. And God's love is holy love. Amen. And it's perfect love. And I want us to look at and explore, kind of scratch the surface really, of what kind is the love of God? You know, what sort is the love of God? Um, You know, how great is it? What is it like? So I just want to look at some some scripture texts. You know, in John uh, chapter 3, verse 1, John says, uh, See what kind, what kind of love the Father has for us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. See what kind of love, what sort is the love of God. How great is the love of God that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. And in that passage, um, John, I've discovered that looking at this, uh, the Apostle John seems to be the Apostle of Love. Because he talks about the love of God so much both in the Gospel and in his And in his letters. Um, and the love that he uses, there's a word um, that he uses to, to describe the love of God, and it's called um, agape. Has anyone ever heard of that? Agape love. And that's the word that he uses, and, uh, and that's actually really, really important, because that word describes a higher, greater love. And it's, you know, it's the highest love that John is using when he talks about God. And when he refers to God and the love of God, he talking about agape love so it's this higher greater love it's the same love that you find in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 the chapter of love it's agape love all the way through that book it's the same love when we think about the fruits of the spirit the fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace it's that love and agape love is if you look it up in a bible dictionary it says that this love is a benevolent loving kindness because sometimes when you come across words like benevolent, instantly you might get bored. But if you're entering that meeting, oh, is that it? But actually, when you look into it, it's, it means so much more than that. Because this benevolence, this loving kindness, it means that God means to do you good. Amen. It, <clears throat> Amen. That God wants to be kind. Amen. That God wants to be caring. Mm-hmm. that God wants to meet your needs, mm-hmm. that God wants to be given towards you. Yeah. It means that God is sacrificial mm-hmm. towards you. Mm-hmm. It means that God esteems you. It means that God values you. Mm-hmm. It means that God finds worth in you. That's benevolent love. Mm-hmm. That's God's love. That's perfect love. That's the love of God. Mm-hmm. And it's unconditional. It's unconditional love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, in Romans chapter five, verses seven to eight, um, <coughs> Paul talks about. Let me just get my, Because uh, my memory's going. That's what happens when you know this. It says this. Romans chapter five, verses seven. It says, "For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare to die." But God shows His love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Just say something about that. Is that you know When when it says that God shows His love for us while we were in, while we were sinners, that's a really important thing to get hold of because that means that God loved you when you were in your worst place. Isn't that amazing? While we were sinners, God loved us. And while we were sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't when you kind of reformed yourself. It was when you were in your worst place. It was when you were hostile. It was when you were ungodly and you were unrighteous. And there was nothing to commend you to God. And it was when you were in your lowest place that God set his love upon you. So there was nothing in us that was deserving that God should respond to us. Now he decided, out of his choice of his will, he said, oh, we would love that person. And that was when you were in your worst place. So I just want to say now, wherever you are in your walk with God, and you may feel, I'm at my lowest point, well, you need to know this, that you're still loved. Mm-hmm. Right. Amen. Because if, if you were loved that much, that crush should die on the cross, when you were in that place, how much more, now that you are a child of God, mm. Amen. Yes. Amen. Feeling mm. things are really bad, mm. hey, here's some good news. You're still loved. Mm. Yes. You're still loved. Amen. But you're not loved as a stranger, yes. as an alien. Yes. You are loved as a child of God. Yes. In whatever place you're in mm. right now. So it's good news. He loved you then and he loved you now. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus is the perfect expression of the love of God. If you want to know what love looks like, if you want to put flesh and bones on love, then you just have to look at Jesus. Because Jesus is the perfect expression of love. And we know the cross demonstrates the love of God to us. That sacrificial love that love of God that came to save, to save the undeserving. And speaking about Jesus, let me just say, and I've, someone else has said this, so this isn't this isn't uh, unique to me. But you know, Jesus is perfect theology. <coughs> Jesus is perfect theology. So if you have a view of God that does not resemble or we'll line up with the personal Christ yeah, revealed mm-hmm. in the gospel, I would suggest you need to recalibrate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You need to make an adjustment. You know, just like Greenwich Mean Time is something we set our watches by, the post of Christ, as revealed in the Gospel, is we need to adjust our view of God. Amen. Jesus is our Greenwich Mean Time, theology. <laughs> yeah, We need to set our thinking about God to the post of Christ, as revealed in the Gospel. Because if it doesn't look like Jesus, I would suggest it could be a wrong view of God. So if your view of God is only harsh and stern, you've got to think, do I see that in Jesus? What was Jesus like? How did he live? How did he talk? How did he handle people? How did he handle those tax verses? How did he handle those prostitutes? How did he handle people who were caught in sin? How did he handle those people? Wasn't he not the friend of sinners? Did He not come to seek and to save the lost. That's our Jesus. And that needs to be our view of God. And that's not to detract from his righteousness. That's not to detract from his justice. And his holiness. But. We must have a view of God. That looks like Jesus. He's perfect theology. He is our view of God. You know in Colossians it says of Christ. That he is the image of the invisible God. That means he is the exact representation. He is that mirror image of God. So Jesus is like God in high definition. <laughs> yeah? You look at Jesus, you're looking at God.
1: Mm-hmm. In fact,
0: Jesus said on himself, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that conversation with Philip? Mm-hmm. Philip said to Jesus, show me the Father. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, Philip, I've been with you all this time. You still don't know me? Mm-hmm. He who has seen me has seen the Father. Mm-hmm. Quite an amazing thing to, start to say, really. Jesus is the revelation of God. He is God in the flesh. Jesus said something about the love of God. Jesus said, no, there's, there's no greater love than someone should <coughs> lay down their life for their friends. There's no greater love. There's no greater expression of love than to lay down your life for someone that you love. And gosh, you, you need to really care an awful lot to, to lay down your life for someone. But the amazing thing is that when Jesus laid down his life for right, us, we were not in a complaint place with God. And yet still he laid down his life. So how great is that love of God? It's got to be huge, isn't it? You know, Paul says um, that the reason... <clears throat> That, that God is rich in mercy is because of his great love. It says that in Ephesians. And that great love that he's talking about, you know, often things get lost in translation, don't they? But this great love, it means, I looked it up, and it means waiting. It means force. It means in, intense emotion. It means size. It means continuous. So the love of God is, is like a, an ever-flowing river. And it's vast, and it's huge, and you, you can't get a size to it, so it, it's like an ocean. If it's ever flowing like a river, and it's vast, it's huge, and it's like an ocean. But that is the love of God. Um, if I can just ask Joshua at the back, if you could, there's a hymn on there, if you wouldn't mind. No, keep going. That one. I love this hymn. Yeah. This hymn was sung an awful lot during the Welsh Revival. in 1905 um, there's a preacher called Evan Roberts and when he was interviewed about some of the key things of his revival he said singing was really important the singing of hymns and worship and and this is one of the hymns that was really really popular and I just want to draw your attention really to to the I mean you're probably already reading it aren't you (laughs) but if you look at the second verse which I'd like to read out it says on the mount of crucifixion Fountains opened deep and wide. Through the floodgates of God's mercy flowed a vast and gracious tide. Grace and love, like mighty rivers, poured incessant from above. And heaven's <coughs> peace and perfect justice kissed the guilty world in love. Thank you. Amen. If anyone's wondering what on earth does insensitive me, it means it's continuous, it's continuous. It's okay. it like a river. Hallelujah. Uh, could you go back to the previous slide? When I was preparing this, occasionally, not very often, every leap year, <laughs> I occasionally write a poem. When I was writing this, this was a poem that came to mind. When I was thinking about the cross, when I was thinking about the love of God and uh, the fact that Jesus perfectly satisfied the righteousness and the justice of God, he, He's called a propitiation. He made a propitiation for us. He satisfied God on our behalf. He was an atonement for our sin. And this is a poem that just came along. He paid the penalty for my sin, offence and wrath away. Peace with God, now reconciled, no longer kept away. Brought right in his child, I am his love for me to stay. Hallelujah. Mm. You know, David, uh, David in Psalm 23 said, You know, surely goodness and loving kindness shall follow me Mm. all the days of my life. Now, I'm sort of one of these people that like to look up every single word. So I don't miss something in found later. Like and when it talks about following you, um, goodness and mercy, or goodness and loving kindness, following you, that word follow actually means to pursue, to chase, and even to persecute. Isn't that amazing? You're being persecuted by the love of God. <laughs> The love of God is chasing you, is pursuing you, is after you, is hunting you down like a bloodhound. <laughs> and you know, there's a story, if you know the story of David when he was on the run from King Saul, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's before he became king. Uh, Saul was very jealous of David, but, you know, people singing songs about him, he was, he was a great battle. Mm. Uh, and he was hiding away in a cave. And it just so happened that Saul um, went to relieve himself, I believe, in, in this cave, and uh, David ended up having a, a conversation with him. And David actually challenged the king and said, you know, why are you, why are you hunting me down? Why are you persecuting me? That same word is used in that psalm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the way that Saul was pursuing David and hunting him down, and couldn't stop thinking about him day and night, and could not rest until he had this guy in his, what are the words? You know, that's, that's the love of God. The love of God is like that. You know, God loves you in a way that Saul was pursuing David. The love of God is chasing you, pursuing you, persecuting you. The love of God's after you. And that's wonderful. You know, David said in one of the Psalms, um, Psalm 136, that referring to the love of God, he said, you know, give thanks to the Lord for his love is good. His love endures forever. You know, he said that about twenty-six times in that year. Yeah, he just kept going on and on and on. The love of God endures forever. Just in case you didn't get it, um, you know Jeremiah said of the love of God, the steadfast love yeah. of the Lord never ceases. Mm-hmm. His mercy or his kindness will never end. Mm-hmm. He also said that you know that we are loved with an everlasting love, and that we have been drawn, dragged by God with love and kindness. Hallelujah. Mm. Now Jeremiah was a man who was, uh, he was a prophet and he was often chucked down the pit, poor guy. Um, so he knew what it was to have um, challenging times and yet he was able to say that he knew that he was loved with an everlasting mm. love. So I would just want to make to stop and make a point here that our, our feelings and our circumstances are not the barometer or the measure of or the reality as to how much God loves us. Mm -hmm. So that means that in your life if things are going really badly it's not because God loves you less. Mm -hmm. But it also means that if things are going really well it's not because God's love has increased. Mm -hmm. So whatever the circumstances of life God's love is consistently the same always and forever. So, for good or bad, however things are in your lives, God's love is the same. Yeah. God is forever the same. In fact, God said of Himself in Malachi, I, the Lord, I do not change. Yeah. Uh, in James, James said, uh, In God there is no shadow of turning, <coughs> with Him there's no variation. And we know of Jesus in Hebrews who says he is the same yesterday, yeah. today, forever. You know, we, we are loved by a God who doesn't change. So we are loved by an unchanging love. That is not any love, but perfect love. Mm-hmm. Which is amazing. You know, the Apostle Paul, um, when you read his letters, it's quite clear he has some regrets about... The days when he would persecute the Christian church, when he was a devout Jew and a Pharisee, and he would go from house to house and put uh, Christians in prison and be there as stones and executions. And then, of course, he met Jesus, the risen Christ, on the Damascus road, got a revelation that Jesus is the Messiah and God in the flesh incarnate. And of course, it dawned on him that actually he's been persecuting and had a part and death of, of many of God's children, mm-hmm. and that, that horrified him. And I think it must have broke his heart. So Paul's a man, I'm, I'm sure, that had some regrets. Because when you read his letters, he refers to himself sometimes as the chief of sinners. He would say, "I'm the foremost of sinners." He would save himself. I'm the least saint. He would serve himself, I'm the least apostle. So Paul was a man with regrets. And we too, don't we, really have regrets. Amen. But despite Paul's regrets, Paul was able to say this. I'm certain, I'm sure, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God Amen. in Jesus Christ. So my question is, are you convinced? Are you convinced? Are you persuaded that God loves you? Amen. Be convinced. With all your regrets and with all your history, if you are a believer, you know you're loved by God. Amen. You will be a believer for one thing. You can get there on your own. You've received the grace of God. By grace we've been saved through faith. And this is a gift of God, isn't it? Not of yourself, not of works. no don't know what no can boast. Even your faith is a gift of God. If it wasn't, it would be a work. That's the it's the grace of God upon your life. Yeah. The very fact that you have a faith and you believe in the Gospel is an evidence in itself that you are loved by God. But God wants you to experience His love so much more than, than just to have like, like, a, um, like a head knowledge of the love of God. Mm -hmm. Be convinced as to the love of God. We too must be convinced. And we've been talking a lot about what sort, what kind the love of God is like. And just, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, it gets better. We haven't heard from Jesus yet, have we? Um, heard from Jeremiah, heard from David. We've heard from Paul, John. One nice one. Um, we haven't heard from Jesus yet, have we? What did Jesus say about the love of God? What did Jesus say about His love? Well, in John chapter 15, verse 9, Jesus said these amazing words: "As the Father has loved me." What's the rest of it? So have I loved so, you. That little word as makes all the difference, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 <coughs> Jesus didn't say I love you. Didn't say that. Put something else in front of that. That makes all the difference. He said, Just as, like this, like this, with this kind of love, with this quality of love, this is how I love you. It's not that I love you, I'll be happy with that. But he took you so much further. And he said, I love <coughs> you with that same kind of love and that same quality of love that I love myself by my Father in heaven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, if you think, wow. That's, that's difficult to, to accept that. He says it again a bit later. Mm-hmm. In his prayer in the garden, uh, John chapter 17, he said these words, talking to his father. He said, Father, you love them even as, again, even as you love me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, good. You got it once, yeah. you got it twice. Okay,
0: mm-hmm. if you didn't get it the first time, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, there it is again. Because I don't know about you, you'd read that and think, surely, you can't mean that. But it's reiterated again, that we are loved, with that same kind of love. When you think of the Godhead, when you think of the Trinity, when you think of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, when you think of that community, that the Godhead, the Trinity, or that, that mutual love that they had for one another, that perfect love, that you have actually been brought into that love
1: Mm
0: -hmm. so it's not that you you are love, yes you are but wow, but with what kind of love well that love the love of the father towards the son that mutual love between father son and holy spirit that that quality, that perfect love that higher love is the love that you you have been brought into and that's amazing and that's amazing Mm. I know, it's just so amazing I think now we can understand Paul's prayer for the church because his prayer was that they would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge in other words, his prayer was that they would know the love of Christ that goes above and beyond knowledge and the word there is actually it's it's related to experience, yeah. so it's not head knowledge. You know, in fact, it's uh, without well, our thoughts going too far off. But you know, it's the same word that is used when the angel came to Mary and said, "You are gonna, you're gonna have a son," and she said, "I've, I've never been with a man. I've never experienced a man." You know, it's not head knowledge. there, there is encounter there is experience, there is, it's tangible it's not theory, it's not doctrine it's not teaching yeah. it includes that but it's more than that mm. his prayer was that we would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that we may be filled with all the fullness of God You know, it's what Peter refers to when he says, when he talks about that we would experience joy inexpressible and full of glory, it's what Paul, Paul refers to when he talks about the love of God being poured into our hearts. Mm-hmm. And what he goes on to say is about receiving the Spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, "Abba, Father." Mm-hmm. It's the experimental knowledge. It's so much more than teaching. It's so much more than doctrine. Mm-hmm. You need that. You start there, but you don't stop there. You must go beyond. Amen. Hallelujah. So this is something we need to be pursuing ourselves um, to be asking God for that what we might know as to the love of God might be more than academic more than just an understanding of a doctrine and oh what a doctrine it's a beautiful teaching but that we might experience the love of God more fully in our day to day uh, Christian lives now I'd like to you know, while we're thinking about this, I just want to play. Uh, it's about a three minute okay. video clip of uh, someone singing the song. And I just want you to get the sense of the Holy Spirit on the song, <coughs> listen to the words, and let them minister to you. Mm-hmm. And then we wrap up with that. And I'd like to play Yeah. So, Joshua, if you want to find that, just give Joshua a moment.